Hey everyone out there, how's it going? Welcome to ScreenSpeak. It's the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. My name is Jordan Anderson, that's S-O-N at the end, not S-E-N. Any Andersons out there are going to totally understand where I'm coming from with that, where every time you say your name, you always have to tack on the it's S-O-N and not S-E-N or S-I-N. Actually, I don't know if there's been an S-I-N out there, but I've definitely seen the S-E-Ns of the world. The Andersons, uh, thanks for listening. And the Andersons, you're the best, because uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm impartial to my own self. Where the hell am I going with that? I don't really know, but whatever. The show goes on. Welcome to ScreenSpeak. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. Welcome to ScreenSpeak. It is the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. My name is Jordan Anderson. I really appreciate you all for coming by and giving this episode a listen, uh, or any past episodes for that matter, because I don't know if you're just listening to this for the first time. Maybe you've been here a while. In any case, thank you so very much for coming by and checking out this podcast. It really does mean the world to me, and I hope that you like yourself well, not like yourself, but I, I <laughs> good Lord, stop overthinking. I hope that you like your time here. I'm trying to say something along those lines. I just basically, I want you to enjoy yourself while you're here and enjoy the podcast. So there, there we go. Let's do this. Um, if you haven't done one of these things already, it's plug time. I got to keep just plugging ahead here and get these plugs, 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 plugs. How many times can I say that in a sentence out of the way? All right, <clears throat> here we go. If you have not done this already, please go ahead and do so. Hit that follow button. Hit the follow button on whatever it is you're listening to this on, whether it be Spotify, could be Google Podcasts, could be Apple Podcasts, could be Stitcher, could be TuneFix, could be Deezer. There are a lot of different services out there and more seem to be coming that are hosting and providing services for podcasts. So go ahead, hit the follow button on there. Whichever it is that you're on would really appreciate that's going to help grow that audience consistently. Uh, and hit the bell too, so that way you get notified when I drop a new episode. That would be super, uh, super de dupa. That's a bad Super Mario thing. Is it as bad as Chris Pratt's Mario? Is Chris Pratt's Mario even bad? We won't know until it comes out in April. I promise it's, it's all gonna make sense here soon. Uh, okay, let's see. So I talked about the follow button, talked about the bell. What other plugs? Oh, right social media uh if you like instagram if you enjoy facebook you want to use both look up screen speak i'm on both those and i post stuff on both of those and you can also post things too uh, there is a community of fellow movie lovers on there cinephiles whatever you want to call it people that enjoy movies just as much as i do they tend to be taking part in the community of ScreenSpeak. So go ahead and do the same. Would really appreciate it. And uh, this last one, it's not really a plug per se, but it's more of an announcement, if you will. Uh, something that I am very excited to officially share with you in this episode, and I'll likely plug it in episodes leading up to this exciting time. But here we go. Uh, so you all remember a while back, I had people on from the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival, uh, the director of the festival, the founder of the festival, Eric and Scott. Uh, you can listen a couple episodes back and find that and listen to it. Uh, but after that episode, we got to talking, got to spinning some ideas around, and I'm excited to share with you that I have actually worked out something with them, and I'm announcing it right now. So... Mark your calendars, people. Mark your calendars for those of you that are in Iowa or in the Cedar Rapids and or Marion, Iowa area. April 14th, 15th, and 16th is the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival. 
It's the 20th anniversary of it, or the 20th annual, is what I should say. The 20th annual Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival, April 14th, 15th, 16th at Collins Road Theaters in the Cedar Rapids, Marion, Iowa area. Not that you didn't already know that, but this is what you didn't know. Screen speak, yours truly, Jordan Anderson. I am going to have a booth set up at the at the festival, which is amazingly excited. Like I can't even convey into words in this moment right now how much that means to me. Uh, but I'm going to have a booth. I'm going to have some business cards, going to have some swag, uh, going to be giving away some prizes, going to let people just come up and talk to me about whatever they want to talk about. It could be the podcast, could be the movie, uh, the movies, uh, or it could just be about, you know, h- how's their day going? I'm a friendly guy. I will chat to just about anybody. That's uh, part of the reason, I guess, why I have a podcast is so that I can talk with people. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have this booth at the festival, and then I'm also going to be having a recording space set up in the VIP lounge. Woohoo! Never thought I'd say those words out loud. VIP? Me? I don't know. Um, debatable for sure. But at this festival, I guess, I'll be considered a VIP amongst the other filmmakers there because I'm going to have recording space set up uh, in this lounge that they have. And I will get to have exclusive interviews with a lot of the people that are submitting films there, including the filmmakers, possibly some actors. We'll see. But in any case, it's amazingly excited. Uh, I'm amazingly excited. It's a terrific opportunity for my podcast, of course. It's great to be partnering with the folks from the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival. And if you have some time, April 14th, 15th, 16th, Come out, even if it's just for a day, an hour. It doesn't really matter. Just show show your local theater some support. Uh, come check out the festival. Come check out the podcast. You can you can take pictures with me. I don't care. I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do. Okay. Well, maybe not. Maybe not anything that you want me to do. I I, I don't know. Perhaps some weirdo is going to show up and be like, "Hey, can you you know tap dance or put a pair of bunny ears on and sing the Star Spangled Banner for me?" Why is that what came up to mind when I said that? Not exactly sure, but whatever the the show goes on. So anyways, formally announcing that there. There. The announcement's done. Uh, very, very excited for that. Okay. So all that information is going to be in the description of this episode and likely future episodes. So definitely check out the description of this podcast or just listen to the last couple minutes and you'll be all brought up to speed on everything that I just said. So there you go. So this episode, I... I'm just going to tell you, just going to tell you all right now, I probably won't be the most articulate in the world about this uh, because I'm going to be talking about music in movies, which is something that I do care very deeply about. Uh, It's something that I enjoy getting into with people that know a lot of composers of movies or they like talking soundtracks of films. Um, I certainly have a lot of opinions on it, but unfortunately, they're not grounded in like musical lingo, if that makes sense. I feel like in this episode, I'm probably likely to come off like Chris Farley in that old SNL sketch where he has like the bad late night show uh, where he just says, that's awesome, a lot. (laughs) Did you see Die Hard? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I did. Remember when he was... uh... He had to cross all that broken glass without his shoes on, and there's nothing he could do about it, so he just walked on all the broken glass with his bare feet. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did, did you like that? Yes. Yeah, I did too. That was awesome. 
Uh, and it's just because I, I, I don't know how to play an instrument. I, I don't know how to really speak music. Uh, but I can, I can speak to how music and movies has made me feel over the years. So, over the course of this episode, I'm going to be talking about best composers, the underappreciated composers of the world, talk about some of the best soundtracks, in my opinion, that I've seen over the years, um, talk about some specific scenes that I think have really used music effectively, and then I'll probably wrap this episode up by talking about my favorite scores of all time. Um... And I just want to also be clear on this, apart from my butchering of not being able to talk about music and whatnot. This this is a fan episode. This is just me basically fanning out on a, a lot of different music, a lot of different composers, a lot of different uh, musical uses in film, and talking about how much I love that. Um, but I'm sure there's things I'm going to leave out. I'm sure there's things I will not have covered on here. This is entirely a subject that I could come back and revisit, so we'll just see how this first one goes. Uh, and if it goes okay, then, you know, I'll, I'll come back to it. Or if you got some suggestions on how best to tackle this sort of thing, I'm all ears. Or just come on the podcast better yet and talk to me about it. Talking to you composers out there that are listening. So, let's talk about the best composers in movies, okay? Who are the best? Who's the greatest of all time? Now, I'll save some suspense here. John Williams, of course he's making the cut. You really think I'm going to put together a best composers list and not include Mr. Williams? You'd be mistaken, but I'll, I'll save him for last. So, to start off my best composers list, I actually thought of Danny Elfman. He, he's the first person that came to mind. As I was putting together this list of uh, music and movies, composers and movies, etc., I really just tried to come across the ones that really stood out to me and, and try to select particular films that I think their, their work really stands the test of time and, and really, really makes an impact, right? So Danny Elfman, to me, I first got turned on to him in the old movie from the 80s, uh, Back to School, because he he actually has a cameo in the movie. Uh, at one time, he was associated with a band called Oingo Boingo. Pretty sure he was a founding member of it, or he might just have created the band. I'm not exactly sure. But he was in like 80s music, you know, did rock music and whatnot before he got into composition. And then he basically has been doing composed music ever since. But this guy has a hell of a resume. Uh, so apart from Back to School, which real quick mention on Back to School, doesn't any, does anybody else like that movie? <laughs> like it's, it's a terrific movie. Rodney Dangerfield, he is so freaking funny. They, they just really don't make him like that anymore. Uh, you know, you even have a, a young Robert Downey Jr. in there. And particularly there's a, one of the scenes in the movie actually features Oingo Boingo. Um, and Robert Downey Jr. always cracks me up when he's pretending to be the the girl on the floor going like, oh, do me, Jason, do me. <laughs> it's, I, I can't do it the way that he does it. Um, and then he also does like just sits around, and does like fart noises with his mouth when he's like pretending to be the band. Nice look. What are you going for? The uh, heavy disassociated artist thing or the I'm going blind thing? Huh? Oh, it's the death thing. Oh! Maybe this will cheer you up. Oh, do me! Derek, get up, will you? You look like the poster boy for birth control. It's just really funny. Um, but anyways, back to school. Danny Elfman, he did Beetlejuice. Batman, the Michael Keaton Batmans. 
uh, Men in Black. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting is, I think, I think it is one of Danny Elfman's best. Like, it could be his best. I go back to the Goodwill Hunting score and listen to it quite a bit. Um, has like this Irish Boston vibe to it. Just really, really good stuff. Uh, very relaxing too, very soothing. So I, I listen to that one sometimes when I'm working on things. Uh, let's see. Danny Elfman, he also worked on the Spider Man movies, of course, the Tobey Maguire Spider Mans. Let's be clear. And he's partnered with Tim Burton, as I mentioned, with Beetlejuice, uh, Batman. Uh, but then also a personal favorite of mine is Big Fish. And Big Fish, that's a movie I could talk about for a while. That scene towards the end with uh, uh, Billy Crudup carrying Albert Finney. Oh, oh my sweet lord. Uh, that If that doesn't make you cry especially as a man like if you have a dad oh my god like that that scene won't that scene will get you uh someone else that i definitely got to add on the best composers list is thomas newman now thomas newman i think critically definitely gets love but i don't ever feel like i hear his name just amongst casual moviegoers as being a great composer and i don't understand why maybe it's just because i'm not hanging around enough people that pay attention to music or I don't know. Could just be my little so- small social circle doesn't talk about this guy, but they should. Uh, Thomas Newman has been behind some greats. Uh, ones that stood out to me, The Lost Boys, Scent of a Woman. Hoo-ha! Oh, Charlie! Charlie, you gotta keep talking about the music, Charlie! <laughs> I-, I know it's not the first time that I've done a bad Al Pacino impression. I, I can't help it. If I hear Scent of a Woman, hoo-ha! Is gonna come up. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption. I mean, that right there, mic drop. Just if, if I could say that I worked on that movie being arguably the greatest film of all time, uh, my life, I, yeah, li- life is complete. Uh, let's see. Thomas Newman, he also did American Beauty. The Green Mile, Finding Nemo, uh, underrated film brothers uh, that's a remake of a of an, an international film uh, but the remake has jake gyllenhaal and toby Maguire, the late sam shepherd great film definitely check that out if you haven't seen it but thomas newman did the music for that uh, an underrated movie as well as underrated score is for the adjustment bureau That's a movie I feel like people also have kind of largely forgotten with Matt Damon and Emily Blunt. It's a really, really good movie uh, based off a Philip K. Dick novel. I think the guy who uh, wrote Blade Runner or do androids dream of electric sheep, I believe is the book. 
Uh, okay, Thomas Newman. He also did Skyfall. Very cool. He did a James Bond movie. And he also did the movie Passengers, in which I know he was nominated for that one for an Oscar. And I'm pretty sure he's won an Oscar, or at the very least, I know he's been nominated a handful of times. If not based off those films, it's gotta be, gotta be something else. But Thomas Newman, I think he's one of the goats. He is really terrific. Uh, love a lot of his scores. Also has a very distinct, a distinctive sound. And that's something I, I will, I will say with pretty much any of these composers that I have added to this list of this short list of mine. They all have a very indistinguishable quality where if you're hearing one of their scores of their movies, you know, it's them. Um, this is where if I could talk about music better, uh, I would probably be able to articulate what I mean by that. But I, I think that's, it's, it is what it is. I said it right there. They have an indelible quality to them. Uh, Danny Elfman movies sound like Danny Elfman movies, just like Thomas Newman. You can hear a Thomas Newman score when it's playing. It's damn good. Oh, this next one, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer. Damn. I will tell you now, look, I, I don't want to, uh, here, I got to knock on wood for this one. Got to knock on wood. And this is actually wood. I am recording at a table, so I didn't just put in a sound effect for that. Here we go again. Okay. I'm knocking on wood because I don't want to kill, uh, Mr. John Williams, but John Williams is up there in his age. And when he's no longer with us, I would, I would place a wager if, if Vegas ever bets on these types of things that the film community as a whole, at least like if people had to put a poll as to who is the next greatest composer under John Williams, I think Hans Zimmer would be on that, on that list. I, or I think he would be largely considered by a lot of people as being that guy. Let me list off some of these titles for you. Okay. Uh, this one I threw in here, this first one, just purely for me, because this movie kicks ass. And I also should talk about this sometime. The movie Black Rain, uh, early Ridley Scott movie with Michael Douglas. Don't hear a lot of people talk about it. It's a terrific movie. Pretty awesome. Uh, Michael Douglas in his prime, just great, great movie. Uh, but has a good score too. Uh, but then these next ones, you all should likely be familiar with it. The Lion King, right? Pretty sure you won an Oscar for that. The Rock. The Rock. Got to do a Sean Connery there. As Good As It Gets. Uh, Gladiator. Hannibal, personal favorite of mine. Matchstick Men, The Dark Knight. He even dabbled in video games at a t- uh, at once upon a time with Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two. Uh, the original, I understood, has been remade, but no, I'm talking the original. Inception. And then what I consider to be his grand opus is Interstellar. I want to talk about interstellar for a second but i want to jump back to inception do you all remember when inception came out and i mean apart from it just being a huge movie that like everybody was talking about is it a dream is it not a dream i just remember that 
the trailers for that movie using his uh, Hans Zimmer signature, like that. They like they kept using this really deep bassy sound effect, and I remember it kind of became a joke after a while because all these other like marketing companies when they're putting out these trailers. Uh, they kept using really big bassy sounds like that. And I feel like they took it from the Inception trailers. But I, I, I don't know if that's still even a thing now. Uh, but I definitely feel like something was happening there uh, across the culture. And it was because of Interstellar. Or not, not sorry, not Interstellar. Inception. Uh, but Interstellar, okay. I will say Interstellar is my favorite Hans Zimmer score. Uh, a close second would likely be Gladiator, because uh, I do listen to that one a lot. Uh, the Dark Knight's also quite quite good, but Interstellar, to me, he just creates sounds that I've never heard before. Um, just absolutely blew my socks off when I first was hearing about it in the movie. Um, just, just crazy, crazy, crazy good. Um, Hans Zimmer is amazing. Uh, let's see. James Horner. He definitely makes the list. Uh, very, very sad that, that he passed away, uh, from a plane crash, I believe. I'm trying to think when it was exactly, but just gone too soon. But th- this guy is behind some of my favorite films, um, just in general. Uh, I did Aliens, Field of Dreams. Glory, Braveheart. Apollo 13, Jumanji, Titanic. Uh, Bicentennial Man, I'm not saying it's like a terrific movie, like it's, it's okay, but the score in it is actually quite good. He did The Perfect Storm, uh, A Beautiful Mind, which might just be my favorite James Horner score. Troy and also Avatar. And again, those are just like the greatest hits people. There there are plenty of other movies I could have mentioned outside of those, but those right there are amazing. And I will specifically say as far as like tugging on the heartstrings go, uh there's tracks in Braveheart, uh A Beautiful Mind and I would even also argue in um in Titanic that can all bring a tear to your eye. I mean, it is tugging on some feelings I didn't even know existed. And that's one of the powers of music. And I realize, like, I sound kind of jokey when I'm saying that, but I absolutely mean what I say when I say that. Like, it is amazing, the power of music and what it does to you when it's played just perfectly correctly in tandem with a scene that's happening on screen, especially if there's no dialogue. This next one, um, I'll just say this. He is responsible for one of the greatest trilogies of all times as far as the music goes. Um, but literally, like if I was him and I did the music for these movies, I, I would be happy right there. 
Like I would just be like, I did it. I I did my, my life's work is complete. Just boom. I'm done. I don't even need the work anymore. That's of course, Howard Shore, who was responsible for the Lord of the Rings, the music of the Lord of the Rings, which I would definitely make the case that if you try to watch Lord of the Rings without Howard Shore's score, that's a tongue twister. Howard Shore's score, Shore score. Um, you try to pull the score away from that. It's just not the same movie. Uh, not the same movies at all. I mean, think of the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, like when the Rohirrim show up and you have King Theoden showing up and, and leading the charge. Imagine that without that music plan, it, it just doesn't doesn't even doesn't even hit on the same level. Uh, but Howard Shore is incredible. He did the music for Big, The Silence of the Lambs, Philadelphia, Nobody's Fool, great great Paul Newman movie, uh, Seven, The Game. That's another underrated movie in my opinion. David Fincher, uh, Michael Douglas once again, uh, High Fidelity. just overall great movie talked about the lord of the rings and also by extension the uh the hobbit movies uh and then he also has worked with scorsese i know a handful of times my favorite shore score for uh the scorsese films is his for uh the departed uh but he also i know did the aviator did gangs in new york maybe did another one um but just is just as terrific. I mean, but again, the Lord of the Rings ones right there, like just drop the mic, just enough said. Uh, but then of course the last one on the short list of, you know, screen speaks best composers of all time. It's John Williams. I mean, look, I'm going to rattle off these titles and you're like, even one of them, there's several mic drops in here. Star Wars, mic drop, Jaws, mic drop, Indiana Jones, mic drop, but it keeps going with them. It does. Did Superman, uh, E.T., which for the record, I'm not a huge E.T. fan, but you can't deny that the theme for that movie is not iconic. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, worked with Oliver Stone on, uh, Born on the Fourth of July, JFK, uh, Home Alone, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, The Patriot, um, all, not all the Harry Potter movies, but early Harry Potter. He definitely established the musical tone for it. Catch me if you can. Uh, the terminal and, and uh, another another personal favorite of mine is the score for Memoirs of a Geisha. Damn, I, I mean, just damn. Um, God, John Williams, stay around for like another two hundred years. Uh, we we need you. We need you. The, <laughs> the world, the world of movies and the world of music in movies definitely definitely needs you. Okay, 
So that's my short list of what I consider to be the best composers that work in film. Um, one of them, of course, is passed away. Uh, but Danny Elfman, Thomas Newman, Hans Zimmer, James Horner, Howard Shore, and of course, the great John Williams. If you have not uh, listened to the scores of some of those movies I mentioned, definitely do yourself a favor. Look it up on Spotify uh, or whatever it is that you're listening to it on and just listen to it. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Okay. Underappreciated composers. Got to give some shout outs here. Uh, Cliff Manzel. Okay. He did the movie Moon. That's where I first got introduced to his music. And I was just like, why is no one talking about this score? Uh, this is terrific. He also has worked with Darren Aronofsky a couple times, uh, notably to me in Black Swan. And he also did the music for Mass Effect 3, which the ending of that is kind of, eh. But, <clears throat> but, but musically, musically, it sounds great. Harry Gregoson. I, I feel like I always say Gregerson, but it, there's no R. Uh, Harry Gregoson Williams. I'll just call him Harry because I sound like a jackass. Uh, <laughs> uh, he worked on Enemy of the State uh, along with Trevor Rabin. Uh, who, Trevor Rabin's also an, another underappreciated one. Uh, did a lot of the music for Metal Gear Solid. So um, any, you know, any love out there in, in the screen speak community for the Metal Gear games? I don't really talk about video games on here, but Metal Gear is pretty awesome. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, 4, and 5 he did the music for. Tony Scott's Man on Fire, Ben Affleck's The Town, and Ridley Scott's The Martian. Um, all of those right there have some really great scores, so the guy absolutely should get some credit. Uh, John Powell, he did music for Face Off, uh, the comedy Evolution, which th th that movie should get a lot more uh, love than I think it gets. I mean, it's, it's terrific. David Duchovny, he's hilarious in the movie. It's an Ivan Reitman film, a uh, guy who made Ghostbusters. Uh, it's got some great silly comedy in it. Sean William Scott, um, give that movie a shot. Give it a chance. It's good. What do we do? We might have to amputate. Bone saw. Whoa, Doc! Don't take the leg! Arr, don't let him take my Is leg. Is there anything else you can do? He thinks he's an athlete. Yeah. Wait, Dr. Luck. Ooh. <laughs> Setting for his testicles. Take it! Dang it, take the leg! Uh, the Bourne trilogy, he did those. And then my my favorite score, actually, from him is the remake of The Italian Job. Uh, not the one with Mac cocaine. This next one, he's not going to win any um, any Academy Awards, at least not yet, um, is Theodore Shapiro. Theodore Shapiro, he's worked on a lot of comedies, romantic comedies, uh, mostly over the years. He did the score for Old School. Along came Polly, Dodgeball, Tropic Thunder. Um, but the one that actually got me to pay attention to his music is the collaboration he worked on with Ben Stiller in The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Really?
really terrific score and also very soothing, very peaceful score to listen to. So definitely check that out. Um, this next guy, I think people will largely recognize him as Junkie XL. Uh, I, his name is Tom Hulkenborg. Hulkenborg, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, this guy did Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, yeah, another mic drop. Like the movie, the music in that is epic. It makes me want to go to Valhalla, spray a bunch of metal in my face and blow up in a car. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it, it makes it, it just gets the blood boiling. Um, great, great score. Uh, but he also did the music for Black Mass, um, Alita Battle Angel. Wish that was getting the sequel. Uh, and then he also has worked with Zack Snyder. I know a couple of times, <clears throat> uh, I think most recently in his Netflix movie, army of the dead, which actually wasn't half bad. It's a fairly enjoyable zombie movie. Uh, and then this last guy on the underappreciated composers list is Trevor Rabin. Um, he also worked on enemy of the state. Like I mentioned with Harry Gregoson Williams. Um, but he also did the music for con air and you know what? Okay. Okay. I, I already know what you're thinking. Oh, this guy's going to give Con Air some love. You're damn right. I'm going to give Con Air some love. Put the bunny back in the box. Well, I'm going to put the, put the Trevor Rabin back in this podcast. <laughs> so stupid. Um, okay. But he did the score for Con Air and, and Con Air is a freaking baller of a movie. It's a fun, fun movie. I mean, you got Nicolas Cage, long hair, questionable accent. Um, John Cusack, uh, John Malkovich, uh, Ving Rhames. I mean, holy crap. This movie is amazing. And the score in it is, is fun. It's big. It's boi- uh, boisterous. It's loud. Um, like I said, I can't describe music worth a crap, but I can sure as hell say that I like Trevor Rabin and I like his Con Air score. Uh, Armageddon. There's a couple emotional uh, tracks on that that get the tears a flowing. Uh, I'm talking about the scene where Bruce Willis especially eats it uh, on the asteroid. I'm sorry, spoiler, but the movie's been around since like 1998, so can't say you haven't had time to see it. Unless, of course, you're like two years old. If you're like two, then I, I well, probably shouldn't be listening to screen speak as a, as a wee baby. He did the music for Remember the Titans, uh, Kangaroo Jack. Does anyone out there know Kangaroo Jack? Anyone care about that movie? Jerry O'Connell, Anthony Anderson, Michael Shannon, Chris Walken's in it. Uh, no one talks about that movie. And, and I admit, it's not like that great of a movie. Like there's some choppy editing. It's kind of a little sloppy in parts, but it's fun. fun it's a um jerry brockheimer production too one of the ones that stands out actually as far as the jerry brockheimer um introductions goes they have a kangaroo that they superimposed on that winding road uh introduction on his movies which i wonder why they came up with that but i don't know it's badass anytime i see it on the movie i'm like i know i'm in for a good time um national treasure and then hot rod i mean that's that's some range right there and the reason I, I, I gotta give some love to these people is because everybody always talks about the greats, right? You know, they talk about Danny Elfman, they talk about John Williams, Howard Shore. I mean, I, I get it. They're goats. I, I mentioned that they're goats, but 
a lot of these other movies that I mentioned, these are terrific movies and the music behind them largely elevates those movies to make them so much better and more memorable in our minds. So I really wish people would talk about these people more uh, because they definitely, definitely deserve some love. Um, now some honorable mentions that I got to mention here before I talk about um, some of my favorite soundtracks over the years. These are, I'm just going to rapid fire through these uh, just for the sake of time. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith, the guy who did, um, well, Jerry Goldsmith did Rudy. I'll just say that. I, th- I think he did. Either way, just look him up. He's done some great stuff. Um, the guy who did the score for The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, uh, he's worked, worked with Tarantino and The Hateful Eight. I can never pronounce his name, so I'm going to do a terrible job right now and butcher it. Uh, Ennio Morricone. That's definitely not how you say that, but people will know what I mean. Uh, Alan Silvestri, Michael Giacchino, uh, Alexandra Desplat. Um, I feel like that's not how you say Desplat. That sounds bad. Just Desplat. James Newton Howard. I always think of his score. Uh, I think he's worked with M. Night Shyamalan at least twice in Unbreakable and Signs. Great music there. Uh, Marco Beltrami and then Trent Reznor. Just look at some of David Fincher's latest films. Uh, they have some great collaborations together, and he's also just a hell of a musician with Nine Inch Nails. So those are some of my honorable mentions. And another thing I'll, I'll talk about, whether it's honorable mentions or, you know, just other great composers out there is when I was putting this list together, I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of ladies. I uh, didn't see a lot of females that were making the list, and I kind of wonder why that is. Like, why are there not are like are there not more female composers? Are they just not as recognized? Or the, is is it like an equality thing? Like they they just don't get a lot of recognition because they're women. Uh, I don't really know. I, I I tried to do my due diligence and come up with a few. Um, I did see there was the one that won. Um, I think she actually won best. Yeah, she won an Oscar uh, when Joker came out. The Todd Phillips one can never say her name correctly, but I will do a butchering of it right now. Uh, Hilder Gowen Gowen. Oh my God, Gowen Adotier. Um, so sorry, so sorry if you are happen if you happen to be listening to this, which I know you're not, (laughs) but. Uh, so sorry that I can't say your name. And then other two ladies that came up was Leslie Barber and Wendy Carlos. One of those, of, of those two, one of them worked on Manchester by the Sea. That's how I remembered that. But anyways, I just wanted to make sure I said some ladies in there because it was turned into a sausage fest with all the guys I was mentioning. And I'm like, you know what? Women, women need, they need some attention as well. So there, I tried. Okay. Uh, all right. Let me talk about some best soundtracks. Best soundtracks. So, to be clear, when I say best soundtracks, I don't mean best scores. There is absolutely a difference. Scores are composed music tracks for films. Soundtracks, of course, just have really good music scattered across the movie in appropriate spots to just make the movie that much better. Um, I can certainly tell you that some of these soundtracks, they turned me on to a lot of different bands that I previously didn't know about. Um, one of the things I am very appreciative of when I watch a movie that has good music, especially when it's music I don't recognize, is that it does inspire me to go do a little bit of digging and be like, oh, you know what? This band's like awesome. Um, several instances of that that I'm sure I'll cover right now. Uh, so let me go through these. 
Uh, Garden State is one that comes to mind because that movie introduced me to the Shins. I had no idea who they were before. Um, also had some early Coldplay in there from the, was it the Parachutes album? I think the, they used Don't Panic, I want to say, uh, early on in the movie, but Garden State does have some good, uh, has a good soundtrack in there. And they also have a great song in there from Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, I think it's called The Only Living Boy in New York. Good song. Uh, Goodwill Hunting introduced me to Elliot Smith. Uh, that has another really good soundtrack apart from the score. Um, uh, a wide ranging soundtrack is for the movie Boogie Nights. Um, it introduced me to the emotions, uh, the Sister Christian, you know, the motor and bum, bum, bum. one more something like that. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, I thought A Star is Born was also very good. Helps when you have Lady Gaga on there. Because, I mean, look, say what you will about anything about Lady Gaga. But, I mean, you can't deny that woman is incredibly talented. Um, but I really liked a lot of the original music for that. And that's that's the special part of that is that a lot of it was original. It wasn't just songs that they, you know, took and placed it over things. Goodfellas, of course. Uh, Martin Scorsese just loves using the Rolling Stones, and I don't blame him. I mean, you put Gimme Shelter in just about any scene in the movie, it's automatically going to make it better, because that song kicks ass. Uh, Dazed and Confused has an amazing soundtrack, whether it's Aerosmith, uh, Kiss, you got some ZZ Top in there. There's some great, great stuff there. Lost in Translation, I threw that in there, almost more of an honorable mention, but that introduced me to... I think it's Phoenix. Um, they have a couple songs in there. There's a couple weird indie songs in there, too. Um, have great use of the song. Um, was it Brass and Pocket by The Pretenders? Great stuff there. Uh, a lot of people talk about Forrest Gump's soundtrack, but for good reason, because it is a movie spanning decades, so it's going to have a lot of very popular uh, populist music that's played over there. Uh, a lot of good Vietnam songs. I think there's some credence in there like buffalo springfield uh not not sure what else is played but there's some good stuff there uh let's see almost famous certainly is uh, a movie that has terrific music and actually it's one of like the only movies that gets away with using a lot of led zeppelin um but it's great i mean they play the rain song in there uh, I had never heard the song Tangerine before that movie, and that song Tangerine just like blew my socks off. Like it's it's such a good song, and um, actually it makes me want to listen to it right now just by talking about it. But great, great song. Um, Five Hundred Days of Summer that introduced me to the Temper Trap. Never heard of them before that movie, and thank thank you for that. Thank you for that Five Hundred Days of Summer. Uh, okay, let's see American Pie. Now, American Pie captured a very particular piece of time in life. Um, I think they're hilarious comedies. I mean, some of them, you know, some people might find the humor offensive, but whatever. It's it's humor. Uh, if you don't like it, shut it off. We live in a free country, so you're allowed to watch whatever you like. Um, but American Pie just has some great songs that fit exactly with what's going on there. Um, and I, I really look at those movies as like time capsule movies. It's, it's like the, the, the generation kind of like right before mine it says, cause I think I've been on record on the podcast and saying when I look at high school movies that best encapsulate what it was like when I was in high school, 
It's not American Pie. It's super bad for me, but American Pie is not far off. Like, I feel like they got the generation right before Super Bad came. Um, that's just my opinion. But anyways, great, great songs there. Um, I think there's like Blink 182. There's like some 41. They, they got some good stuff there. Uh, let's see. And the, oh, and the last one I had on my best soundtracks list was High Fidelity and, and High Fidelity. Apart from, you know, I think it has stuff in there from like the Velvet Underground. There's Elton John, uh, Bob Dylan. I mean, there, there's some there's some great, great artists in, in the soundtrack for that movie. Uh, I have some other music stuff to talk about here and then they won't just keep going. All right. Got to talk about some of the scenes that have that have stood out for me in movies where they use a song to terrific effect to really just completely elevate the movie as a whole. Uh, and specifically make it just a incredibly memorable scene due to the music. So in no particular order or context, I'm just going to kind of go through some of these and see what you think. Um, first one that came to mind for me on this was actually the Enya song that was used in David Fincher's Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. It's a very creepy use because you have Daniel Craig with a gag in his mouth being tied up, likely about to be murdered. Um, yet they're playing this really peaceful, tranquil song by Enya. So the, the juxtaposition on that is, uh, very, very freaky. I had Irina down there in that cage. Who's Irina, you might ask? Just another girl. Just another immigrant whore. Who misses that? Your sister wasn't. What? Um, it's just very, very disturbing stuff. Um, so that one always stands out to me. Um, Huey Lewis in the news, hip to be square. I mean, come on, American psycho. Um, Christian Bale doing that crazy dance before he drives an ax in the Jared Leto's head. It's kind of crazy. Um, let's see the, the, the Chuck Berry song and Pulp Fiction, the big Lebowski song, the Kenny Rogers. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Uh, Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers and Ghost. Um, that one stands out. I Got You, Babe, Sunny and Cher from Groundhog Day, Tiny Dancer. Um, oh, that that's an almost famous on the bus scene. Terrific. Uh, the Sound of Silence at the End of the Graduate. Goodbye Horses. Actually a good song, but I wonder what Q Lazarus thinks about that because it's used it's in such creepy, creep-ass context with Buffalo Bill in the skin outfit. Uh, let's see. Oh, definitely one of the most uh, more iconic ones is The Ride of the Valkyries. Um, it's just badass. I mean, you have that playing out. I, I mean, it's kind of disturbing when you think about it because you have everybody joyfully riding in on helicopters, just machine gunning down the Vietnamese dark stuff but uh does get the blood pumping so pretty pretty sure the military actually really likes that song um oh and then the last one i had on here was layla being used in goodfellas when basically all the dominoes are are tumbling which is kind of funny because the band is Derek and the dominoes uh with eric clapton so kind of crazy stuff <clears throat> okay so reason why i ran through some of those is just because honestly everybody i'm, I'm running out of time um, I'm recording this in the morning. I got to do my day job. So I don't have all day to sit around and do this one. 
Um, but I'm doing what I can. So I'll wind this episode down uh, with going over what some of my favorite scores have been across time. And I do think that because I kind of had to rush through this one a little bit and I'm just kind of going through the motions, if you will, I'm not, you know, it's not, it's not that like funny and don't really have a ton of interesting points to make on this one. I just wanted to, I just wanted to give appreciation to some of these things. I just, I want this stuff out there. I, I want it out there in the universe and I, I hope people enjoy it. Um, but here are some of my favorite scores for films, Blade Runner, Vangelis. I've listened to it so many times. Um, if I'm feeling down, if I'm not feeling great, I will listen to that and it will soothe me, make me feel pretty good or just more blue, I guess. But sometimes that's what you need. Uh, Swiss Army Man, I really, really enjoy the score for that. It's very uplifting, just energizes me, gives me a lot of uh, positive, positive energy when I hear that one. Uh, the score actually recently for the movie Uncut Gems, um, totally was not at all expecting that. I mean, I, I don't think anybody was expecting Uncut Gems to do what it did, but there is music in that that's actually kind of not i don't want to say reminiscent to blade runner but it's very like sci-fi futuristic sounding um totally was not expecting it at all but check out the score for uncut gems it's really good Gone in 60 Seconds actually has a really great score. Not the original, talking about the Nicolas Cage one. And I will tell you just a little quick podcast story here. The opening of Gone in 60 Seconds still to this day, it's like a minute, minute 30 second track or something like that. It has one of the most badass sounding opening tracks that just completely set the mood for the movie. And I know when I first started getting into content creation and I eventually tried to get like an introduction for, um, at the time, this was my YouTube channel. I really wanted the music to be as close to sounding like the opening for Gone in 60 Seconds as possible because I just, I love the, the electronic music, just the, the way it kind of builds up and it's just, just badass. And anyways, I just sound like Chris Farley. That, that, that's awesome. Um, uh, but seriously, I, I still listen to it and I'm just like, God damn, that sounds good. Why is no one talking about that?
opening had gone in 60 seconds. If nothing else from this podcast, you know, just listen to that and tell me that that doesn't sound good. Uh, okay, let's see. A couple others here. The Fifth Element. Really, really enjoy the score for that. Um, some of Bruce Willis's scenes where he's just getting up and I'm just like, yeah, I understand, man. To quit is my goal. I'm trying. <laughs> okay. Uh, K-Pax. Uh, I know K-Pax actually once came up on the podcast. I think I was talking with Isaac, um, Isaac McGee, the, one of the owners of Barber's Edge Hair Salon in Cedar Rapids. Check them out. Um, we were talking about how that movie was terrific, but it also just has an incredible score. Um, listen to good morning best or grand central off the score or, or the, there's a taxi ride one, I think is what it's called. It's terrific, terrific stuff. Just great music to put on in the background while you're working on something. Just take your mind away or take your mind off things. It's great. Uh, and then, of course, the last one on here that I probably listen to just as much, if not more, than the Blade Runner score is the score for Lord of the Rings. Um, it's it's damn good. It's damn good. So many things I could think about, whether it's the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, the White Tree of Gondor, the Samwise, the Brave Track. I mean, there is so much stuff, and it all gives you the feels or makes you feel very relaxed. Um, some particular uses, uh, of the score being used well as, uh, you did well, uh, <laughs> being used well is, uh, oh God, just anytime Rivendell's around, um, just terrific music anyways. So I've gone through a lot of this stuff really quickly. Um, wasn't really sure where this episode was going to go quite frankly, cause music is not something that I'm an expert at talking about. But it is something that I do care very deeply about, and I've discovered several artists over the years and several bands from just paying attention to who's composing what. Um, certainly has broadened my horizons of music by listening to movies and, and just going out into different directions for music that I probably wouldn't have discovered without movies. So in all sincerity, I mean, movies, they're important to me. They speak to me on a lot of different levels, but musically... They certainly have broadened my horizons and made me, I think, be a more well-rounded person uh, and certainly somebody that appreciates a a pretty wide variety of things. And, th- and that's in large part due to movies um, opening up my mind and expanding my horizons with what's possible in the world of music. So anyways, I hope that all made sense. Hopefully you got some enjoyment out of this episode. Hopefully, if nothing else, you walk away from this and you got a couple recommendations of some composers, maybe some bands that you didn't know about before. We'll see. I would like to revisit this subject, perhaps not at uh, not at 630 in the morning, um, but we'll we'll see. So anyways, thank you all so very much for listening. Really appreciate it. As I said early on in the episode, I'm going to be at the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival, April 14th, 15th, and 16th. So mark your calendars for that. Uh, if I had one person even come up that, you know, wasn't like a friend or a family member or someone I know that just said, Hey, I heard about this on the podcast. You would make my day. You would absolutely make my day. It would be some validation that I am doing something right in this life. (laughs) Not sure what that was, but, um, yeah, so that's it. Appreciate everybody for listening. Have a terrific day or night. Not sure what time you're listening to this at, uh, and I'll catch you all in the next episode. All right. Take care.